It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 56 of Sports Day Plus. In mere seconds, I'm taking a break from sports to spend a full hour with legendary standout comedian Lenny Clark ahead of his headlining shows at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership this weekend. I am your host, Trey Elling. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Courtesy Wave and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. Lenny Clark is a legendary stand-up comedian, actor, and humanitarian. As an actor, you may remember him from roles in shows such as Rescue Me, The John Larroquette Show, and currently Extended Family, which can be seen on Tuesday nights on NBC. His film credits include Two If By Sea, There's Something About Mary, Rounders, and Fever Pitch. As a stand-up, he's been making people laugh on stage since the early 1980s in his hometown of Boston and only continued to build on his reputation since then. And he is bringing those skills to Austin this weekend, headlining the Fat Man Room at the Comedy Mothership. Shows Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. Here's a rarity. There are actually tickets left to the late shows Friday and Saturday and the 8 p.m. show on Sunday. Not a ton of tickets, but there are a few that are still left. You are free. Want to go check out a world-class venue that is being headlined by a world-class comedian? Go to ComedyMothership.com. Lenny, thank you so much for the time. How you doing today? Trey, a lot better now talking to you, pal. <laughs> Great to hear, and I'm excited to have you here in Austin this weekend. You're performing at the Comedy Mothership. This will not be the case by Thursday or Friday. There actually are still a few tickets remaining for the late shows on Friday, Saturday, and some tickets left for the Sunday show as well. Uh, The the Mothership has been described uh, much like a club that you're very familiar with from over the years, the Dingho, back in Boston, as a club that is run by a comedian for comedians. What does that concept mean for you as someone who has uh, been so successful at another club like that? Uh... Well, you, you know what? Whenever you hear a club run by a comedian for other comedians, you feel great because that comedian, especially in Joe's case, has gone out of the way to make sure everything is perfect. The lights, the sounds, the audiences, the security, you know, because, I mean, unfortunately now you, you do need security sometimes when you're doing shows. I mean, I, I, I've been doing almost 50 years and I never felt the need for security, but... I do now because people, you know, just, I don't know. They feel good about, they feel more, um, uh, they never come up on stage on me in the beginning. I, I would, I would, I'd take a chair or something. I'd be, I, I, but now, you know, people, people don't understand that they're coming to see live entertainment. And, you know, uh, I, I, I need to, I need to focus on what I'm doing because because uh, I, I, I don't really write. I write as I perform. I mean, I go with what the audience gives me. And, uh, I mean, I love the fact that everyone I talk to about Joe's Club says it's the best they've ever worked. And I'm not I'm not surprised because uh, if Joe, something, Joe does something, he does it first class. Yeah, I can't speak to other clubs around the country, but I feel like here in Austin, people are starting to understand comedy club etiquette again because 
That was uh, something that was maybe an unwritten rule for a long time. But over the last few years, and largely in response to COVID and just how oppressed things were during the COVID era, we've seen a resurgence and an explosion in the popularity of comedy. With that, though, comes a lot of people who are new to the art form and a lot more people who are easily offended, too, who probably don't belong in a comedy club. But it's good to remind people that the show is about the person standing on stage performing art because that's what stand-up is. It's your responsibility to act in kind. That's not to scream stuff out randomly. That is to laugh when you need to laugh, clap when you need to clap, and otherwise be quiet and let the show happen. For the person who's doing it on stage, for the people who are sitting around you who you are going to be disturbing as well. But in this era of uh, social media and crowd work clips, because a lot of comics don't want to burn material on social media. They want to save it for that next special. There are a lot of people who are coming to shows who think that they should be a part of the show as well, but that's not the case. And it sucks to hear that for a guy like you, someone who has you know, established himself like you have over the years, you're having to deal with knuckleheads who are maybe trying to get on stage here and there. I have, I have had... Uh, hecklers my entire life and I've never had trouble putting them down because in the beginning I was so nervous if someone heckled me like a, a good comic friend of mine Don Gavin says Lenny you could have took care of that guy with a 25 caliber pistol and yet you brought out a howitzer it was only because I was a wreck because I don't know what I'm going to do next and I got to get I got to get them out of the way uh, I appreciate when the crowds listen and uh, like you said, a lot of comedians don't want the material out there because they want to have a special. Some of these guys have 16 specials, you know. I remember what I did last week. You know, I just go out and I go. You know, I, I, I think I had a special once, but, you know, they wanted me to be clean. And Anyway, I, I, I just really like creating on the fly. And to be able to work a club like Joe's, you know, the mothership, I mean, I've been working dive bars, grain and food stores. I mean, I've been in bars where the only people not heckling me were passed out. You know, so, I mean, it's uh, I've been doing this a long, long time. And I do every show like it's my last one because one of these nights I'm going to be right. But I still love it when you get a great crowd and they're listening and you can create right there in front of them. That, that, that's what it's all about. You know, it's like therapy for me, you know? So a lot of the creative process for you then is actually being on stage. And then what, when you're walking off stage, are you trying to recall a, a special moment or are you recording sometimes to try and capture those moments once again? <laughs> you know, in the beginning, uh, I, when I started, there was only, God, I, only maybe a hundred comedians work in the whole country. I mean, everyone, including the big guys, you know, the stars, the, the giants that we followed on their shoulders. And um, now there's probably only a hundred people who aren't comedians. Everybody's a <laughs> comedian. Everyone's got a stand up. Everyone's got a show podcast. I mean, like, like, like Joe's podcast. He asked me to do it early on. And I said, well, Joe, you know, I'm kind of busy. And he was nice. And he said, Lenny, why don't you do my podcast? I said, gee, Joe, I'm filming something. And then the third time he asked me, he says, Lenny, why don't you do my podcast? I said, Joe, I got to be honest with you. I don't know what a podcast is. <laughs> he said, you idiot. He says, get out of here. So we went out to L.A. and did the podcast. 
My God, doing Joe Rogan's podcast, to me, guy's been in comedy almost 50 years now. It's like doing the Tonight Show 30 years ago. More people have seen me on Joe Rogan's podcast than they've seen me in my entire career. It's, it's, it's insane. I mean, and he's been so good to me. I mean, you know, when I, when I was coming up, I figured there were, there were a lot of people to help me because, you know, because they were already established and they were big stars. And uh, I said, if I ever get into a position of power at all, I'm going to help the young guys and girls. And I did that. And a lot of these people I helped are superstars now. <laughs> I mean, multi-millionaires. Are, and, and, and good for them. Because I didn't do it any other for any other reason other than I thought when one of us gets in, we kick the door on. We kick the door in. We all run in. Everyone gets a job. It didn't work out like that. But Joe, Joe's been been great. Joe's always, you know, offered me, you know, to do a show and you know anything I needed. He, he's just he's just been there, you know. I mean, he's the only thing I'd ask you, Joe, is to put me together with Elon Musk so I could go up in a spaceship. That's all I want. That's all I want. I don't want money. I don't want it. You know, and I and I, I'm really thrilled about coming down to work this club. And we're looking forward to having you in town to hang out in Austin and perform at the Comedy Mothership. He is legendary stand-up comedian Lenny Clark, headlining at the Comedy Mothership this weekend. Shows Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. There are still a few tickets remaining for the late shows on Friday and Saturday, as well as some for the Sunday 8 p.m. show. Act now. Go to ComedyMothership.com to snag those. These tickets will sell out by the weekend, so go to ComedyMothership.com now to snag them. Coming up, I continue an hour-long chat with legendary stand-up comedian Lenny Clark on the other side here on Sports Day Plus on 1027 ESPN. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. Back with stand-up comedian Lenny Clark, who is going to be headlining at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership this weekend. Before we continue that conversation, I did want to let you know about a friend of mine. His name is Brian Hummel. His website, HummelRealtor.com. Are you searching for your dream home in Austin? Or maybe you're curious about how much your home is worth? Look no further than Brian Hummel, your trusted Austin realtor with Realty One Group Prosper. Brian is more than just a realtor. He's a full-service expert overseeing your entire transaction from start to finish. He'll lead you through each step of the buying or selling process with questions answered and details explained in plain English. With over two decades in Austin, Brian has witnessed the dynamic growth and evolution of the Central Texas market, making him your invaluable resource for buying, selling, and investing. Plus, as a certified real estate negotiator, Brian brings a strategic and skillful approach to bargaining. He secures the best deals, whether it's getting the highest price for a seller or the most favorable terms for a buyer. When you choose Brian Hummel as your realtor, you're not just hiring a real estate expert, you're gaining a trusted partner committed to your success. It's been crazy being in Austin over the last year or so because the housing market has actually cooled off. But guess what? Signs are pointing to things heating back up. You know it's only a matter of time here. Now's actually a really good time for both buyers and sellers. If you're either, contact my friend Brian Hummel today at 512-619-1347. That's 619-1347. Or log on to HummelRealtor.com. That's H-U-M-M-E-L, Realtor.com. Brian Hummel, Realty One, the one you need. Continuing my conversation now with legendary stand-up comedian Lenny Clark. He is headlining at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership this weekend. Two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, a show on Sunday. 
There are actually a few tickets remaining for the late shows Friday and Saturday, as well as that Sunday 8 p.m. show. Go to ComedyMothership.com to snag those. They will sell out in the next couple of days. You know, hearing people talk about you, Lenny, two things come to mind more than anything else. One is you're usually the funniest guy in the room, but the other element, and the one you probably care a little bit more about, is that you have a huge heart. Like, you truly do care about people. Where does that come from for you? Is that something that was instilled by your parents and your childhood, or, or where does that come from? It, it actually, it, it really is. And the fact that you just said those two comments, I'm very flattered. And 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 it means the world to me because I'm not the funniest guy in the world. I, I am not the funniest guy in the world. But I want to be a favorite. You know what I mean? That, that, that was my niche. You know what I mean? And I mean, I did some stuff that was pretty crazy. I did stuff I can't believe. I did stuff I'm still trying to suppress. However, my mother always told me when I, when I was starting, she said, Leonard, it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. And that's why I try to treat everybody with respect. And if and, and when I watch other comedians, you know, if they make me laugh, I laugh like hell. And if they don't laugh, if they don't make me laugh, I just go, yeah, okay. You know I mean? I'm no judge. There are no robes on me, but I, I do, I do value my reputation as 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 being pretty funny, but I I really value my t- my reputation as being a good guy. And the and the big hot thing that 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 means the world to me because I I did when I started to get a, a, a modicum of success and celebrity status, I used it for for good for like charities. Right? I I did I've done tons of charities. I do I mean I do so many charities you won't believe it. And I did it because it's what made my mom and dad happy. They said, that was nice how you raised money for that heart, children's hospital. That, that was nice how you helped that guy out who lost his wife. You know, yeah. look, I'll, I'll help anybody I can. But I mean, don't, 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 don't call me up and say your cousin's goldfish died and you want to get a GoFundMe thing and have a little comedy. <laughs> I mean, people are out of their mind. But, but if I can help someone, I will. And another thing, when people have, have offered me help, I've, I've said, yeah, sure. You know, I mean, I'm, look, no one owes me anything. You know, this all started as a joke. I didn't know I was going to be a comedian. I didn't know I was going to be in movies and TV. My family was poor. You know, we we grew up in a with a very poor section, uh, Cambridge. And then my father, I, I I don't know, I think he won the house in a card game. We moved into a beautiful neighborhood, and the the only scum there was us. You know, and uh, it was it was. It was pretty wild growing up in a, a beautiful neighborhood. But my parents, uh, it, it, they instilled in me a good work ethic. And they also said, you know, treat treat everybody nice. You know, try to be nice to everybody. Considering the encouragement that you've given so many young comedians over the years, which was a response to not really receiving a ton of that early in your career, was there any one comedian early in your career that did kind of help pick you up when you were trying to figure things out and uh, allowed you a uh, – a sort of motivation to continue plowing forward in the world of comedy. There, there was a few. Uh, Richard Belzer, he he was. I'll never forget. I I did a show in in New York, you know, because in Boston we didn't have comedy, so we'd have I have to get on the train and go to New York and hang around and wait to get on. And I was the only guy from Boston, you know, this way back Catch Rising style comic strip improv, and uh, Richard Belzer like told me one night, he says, look, babe, you got something. I don't know what it is, but you got something. Keep coming back. And Joe Piscopo 
when I worked at the, the improv, he encouraged me to come back. And of course, Jay Leno let me uh, open for him. You know, uh, we did the Leno and Clark expedition. And I learned, I learned a lot by just being around him. You know, I didn't get to do the tonight show much. I think I only got to do it once with him, but uh, he, he was very good. Um, Arsenio Hall, he was really nice to me. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield was great to me. George Collin, Richard Pryor was encouraging to me. You know, I mean, I'm talking about from, you know, the, the giants of the business. When I was a kid doing stand-up, uh, there was one book. It was called The Last Laugh. And I wasn't even a big book reader, but I remember reading that book, you know, wanted to know more about comedy. And then every comedian that I saw, I, I wanted to know, I wanted to meet. The first one I ever saw was Shecky Green. I was, I think it was 17 years old in Las Vegas. And I, I, I didn't even say, wow, I want to do that. I said, wow, what's this guy's doing something I can't believe. And uh, then I, I, I just got hooked. You know, I, I started doing gong shows, you know, uh, in local bar rooms and I was winning. And I mean, I, I, I struggled. I was, I struggled for years and years and years, but I wouldn't quit. I wouldn't give up. And people started to come to see me. And then, uh, then other people came through and, 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 and uh, I encouraged them, you know, because I, I, I like, if I see someone who's got a little something, they got a spark, it reminds me of how I was when, when I was just out there floating alone. I didn't even know what I was doing. And when you said tape yourself, in one of these books I read about Lenny Bruce, he used to tape himself and listen for hours. I didn't realize he was listening to his performances. Just how stupid I was. I'd be in a room with a tape recorder. Go, all right, well, what are you doing now? <laughs> and then I had all these tapes. I had thousands of tapes in shoeboxes everywhere, but I never listened to them. I would tape every performance I ever did, but I would never listen to them. And people go, you know what? That was, that was pretty funny, Lenny, what you did the other night. And sometimes they'd say, see that new kid? You see, that's your bit. And I go, really? I go, yeah, I didn't even remember. I would just get up there and just go. And uh, if I was starting a bomb, it'd be louder, faster, funnier. <laughs> I mean, I was a wreck. But And, and, and to this day, I, I'm still nervous before I go on stage every time, whether it's 20 people, 20,000. I'm, I'm still a wreck because uh, I can't believe that I am lucky enough that, that that God gave me talent to make people laugh, you know, and and I and I do I do make people laugh, but I think that a lot of that has to do with me being insane. <laughs> I really feel I'm insane, and most people that will will, will, will know me, you know, know me for 40, 50 years, they'll tell you, oh, he's insane. I mean, I got a good heart, and and it's not a moment. Just bone in my body, you know, and I'm not out to I'm not out to slam anybody. I don't, I, look, I'm just uh, I'm just still banging around after all these years. Well, the important thing is you figured out some constructive ways to uh, to help the insanity out, if you will. You called uh, getting on stage a sort of therapy. So I know a lot of people in radio who think of themselves in very similar fashions, but it's like, look, you've figured out a way to make it work in this world versus being somebody who is having conversations with himself on a street corner, which may also happen too, but you can just tell people that you're, uh, you're coming up with new bits on the spot. When I was starting out and starting to get a name for myself and selling out shows at the Ding Ho, uh, we had 
Harvard students, MIT, Northeastern, BC, BU, all a real college group uh, of people that would come by themselves, you know, they, and they then they get their buddies and they go, you got to see this guy, he's nuts. And then we started the open mic and then some of them would try it. And all the people that made it, there were thousands that just did it once, once and one and done. They just couldn't deal with the, and the, and the crowds became so uh, used to getting good comedy. Like they would say, you suck tonight. You know, say you ain't got it tonight, Letty, you blow. You know, I mean, it would, it would, they were very, very, very hard on me because I did it every week. I did it every week and I'd have a, I, I, my f- most fun part was having an open mic night. It was Wednesday nights, and I would put on sometimes 45, 50 people a night. Oh and the, the bar closed at one, but we just turn off the lights outside and we keep going. Everyone got on. And my whole thing was if you were a newcomer, you got right away. You know, sometimes comics come in to a club. And uh, naturally, they're, they're, they're big, big stars, and they want to come in. And, and it's good for the club. It's good for them. But you don't want to take away from the youngsters, you know, or the new people, because that may be their only chance in a lifetime. You know, so you don't want to crash. So if you came in, I'd put you on, but I'd say, keep the 10. You know, don't, don't, don't. You know, I still got a bunch of people to go. And it would give me time to smoke a joint or do a line or something. I was, as I say, I was a little, I was very crazy. A lot of us are. He is legendary stand-up comedian Lenny Clark, headlining at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership this weekend. Two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, a show on Sunday. Limited tickets remaining for the late shows Friday and Saturday and that Sunday 8 p.m. spot. Go to ComedyMothership.com to snag those now. Coming up, I continue my hour-long conversation with Lenny on the other side. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Back with the legendary Lenny Clark, headlining at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership this weekend. Shows Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Still a few tickets left for the late shows Friday and Saturday and that Sunday 8 p.m. show. It will be gone by the weekend, so go to ComedyMothership.com right now if you're interested in attending. So, Lenny, you have performed in Austin one other time prior to this weekend at the Comedy Mothership, and it was under classic Lenny Clark circumstances, I guess. What was the one other time that you performed stand-up in this town many, many years ago? I've been traveling with Kennison and uh, we met, we met in New York. Uh, I went to see him. You know, that was the thing, Trey, when, when I hear that there'd be a great comic, like a great comic in Pittsburgh or a great comic in Chicago, I would go to that town to meet those people. And Kennison happened to be in New York. So I took the train down to New York and I met him. And then we, 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 we rekindled our friendship in Los Angeles. And then I brought him to Boston, of course. And then uh, he became a giant superstar. But um, I forgot the question. The one other time. It's, 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 it's all out, out there. The, no, it's okay. The one other time that you performed stand-up in Austin. Oh, right, right. Oh, okay. So we're out in L.A. And Sam says, hey, man, the club – that I started at in Houston, I mean, in Austin, is going under, and we all want to go back. So I said, okay. So that some of them were driving. I said, man, that's a long, I'll, I'll fly. So I flew in, and um, it was it was wild because uh, 
when I was with Sam, you know, not I'm not blaming Sam. I, I was just as bad. We would partake in booze and drugs and women. And, and uh, it was the first time I ever did ecstasy. So they said to Sam, hey, Sam, I got this new stuff. It's called ecstasy. He goes, how much is that? He goes, I don't know, 10, 15 bucks. He goes, give it all to me. He bought it all. So we're all doing ecstasy. And it was, it was one point where we're, we're sitting around talking. And Sam's, I saw Sam start to float away. <laughs> and I remember pulling him back down to earth. And someone says, why are you touching Sam? I says, I said, what do you mean? He goes, he says, Lenny, thank you for bringing me back. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was so wild. We did the show and, uh, it was it was a blast, and I loved the town of Austin, you know. And and I th I think I mentioned you before we came on that I I had opened for Kinky Freeman, the Texas Jew Boys, and he was really great. And I later ended up doing two TV shows with him, and he gave me a card. This man is allowed to be on the grounds of my property. You know, don't <laughs> shoot him or something. Pretty cool, but I I liked him. So I really I, I like Texas anyway, but I, I love Austin. It's just uh, got a great vibe, and now. It's the comedy hotbed. Let's face it; everyone knows you, Austin, uh, Austin, Texas, because of the mothership, is the new comedy hotbed in the in the country. You know, it really is, and it's interesting too because Joe has talked about this on his podcast that he wanted a place for comedians where you weren't having to sweat a lot of the other stuff in entertainment, like out in L.A. You do stand-up comedy, and there are a lot of people who are committed to stand-up comedy, but the goal for a long time was getting that TV deal. And New York is a little bit less that. It's a, a little bit more uh, comedy-centric, but you're also having to fight with the city a lot at times. Boston's a great stand-up uh, place. It's been a stand-up mecca for a long time. Dingho, I mean, in terms of underrated clubs in this country, I don't know if it's there's a more underrated club than Dingho's. And that's a place that was getting written up uh, by the LA Times back in the day because it was such a comedy hotbed, too. But it is interesting to see Austin turn into this because you were friends with Sam Kinnis, I'm curious, did you ever spend any time around Bill Hicks? Because I know they were both pretty tight for a while. And Bill is somebody who is, uh, this town is very fond of as, as one of our own. Oh, Bill Hicks, was, he was a brilliant genius. I met Bill when I did Rodney Dangerfield's Nothing Goes Right special. Mm. And Rodney had, had auditioned to everybody. And my, we were in L.A. and it was the last night. And my brother, Mike, says, go, go ask him. So I went up to Rodney. I said, Rodney, I said, I know you've seen a lot of people, but he said, could you take a look at me? He goes, kid, I've seen 1,500 comics. It's all, I'm going, I'm done. I'm all finished with this. And then I walked away and he said, hey, if you can be in New York Monday night, I'll take a look at you. And uh, Mike said, we'll be in here. So we, we flew home to Boston, got on a train, went down, and the last two spots were me and Bill Hicks who was going to get the spot to be on that show. And it was Dice Clay, Carol Leifer, Barry Sobel, um, Dom Herrera. I think I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, my mind, my mind. Uh, he, he died. Uh, she died too. Uh, so the, it was an amazing break. And it was a, a big breakout for me because uh, after that, I, went, I started doing movies and TV and, it was, but but Hicks, he, he he was one of a kind, man. He was uh he was a brilliant comic. 
Your uh, your film and TV accolades now include Extended Family, which is on NBC on Tuesdays. Uh, the show is just now ramping up, and you're receiving rave reviews for your performance. I think the Wall Street Journal compared you to a sort of Cosmo Kramer-like character on this show. Just how much fun has it been getting to film Extended Family, Lenny? You're not going to believe it. Uh, first of all, I, I tell people I'm the second and oldest guy on network television. And Tom Selleck's not doing too good. No, <laughs> but the fact that I can do a show that involves Tom Werner, who's got like 24 Emmys for network television sitcoms, and uh, Michael Malley. Oh, I love that guy. I, I, I can't say enough about him. And uh, uh, oh, I'm leaving people out. Wick Grosbeck. I mean, uh, 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 Amelia Gro- It's just... There were so many people I, I, I want to thank, you know, uh, because I'm grateful. Oh, man, I'm so grateful. You know, I mean, t- to work with John Cryer, Donald Faison, Abigail Spencer, uh, Sophia Coppola, and uh, Finn Sweeney. I mean, these, th- this crew, they had already established the cast, and they were shooting. And Wick Roseberg, one of the executive producers, had asked me, he owns the Celtics, Years ago, if I'd be willing to do a show, and I said, yes, it's just a phone call away. And Tom Warner said, would you be willing to do a show? I said, of course I want to work with you. And Michael Malley, same thing, but but it never happened. And then they called and said they wanted me to come out and shoot a couple of shows. So I went out and I shot a show, and I was walking by the green room, and there's my face on a camera. And uh, I hear someone say, this isn't working out. And I go, shit, I'm going to get fired. And then I think it was Lionsgate. They said, yeah, it's definitely not working out. And I went, oh, man, I'm dead. And they go, we need him in every show. And I went, yeah. <laughs> so they reshot the pilot and put me in the pilot. And then we shot 13 shows. Two of them were already shot before I was there. So those have been aired. But every show from tonight on, uh, I'm in. So I, I hope people uh, like it because when when – when uh, Michael O'Malley and, and NBC and, and Lionsgate said, Lenny, are you happy? I said, am I happy? I'm like a rescue dog just before we got gas. Nobody's happier than me. Yes, I love it. Hey, man, I'm old. Who knows how much long I got left? That's right. So if you're listening right now, you can go home and t- turn it on NBC tonight. Extended family. Lenny, uh, this is the first time that you're appearing on the show is tonight, or you were on the pilot, which which aired a few weeks ago as well? Oh, no, no. They put, me, they, put, they put me in the pilot, and then I had filmed one show, uh, and the to two that I wasn't in, they run back-to-back. It's really funny. I took my sister, who's in a wheelchair, to, to Aruba, and we had a big watch party with my family, about 30 of us, and I wasn't on the show. And then... I had a watch party with a bunch of buddies of mine, and uh, I wasn't on that show. So I'm in the rest of them. Uh, it, it's kind of embarrassing, but yeah, I'm in the rest of the shows. Are you going to have a watch party? Are you going to have a watch party for your appearance tonight, or are you going to be watching this one alone? No, 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 no. I'm going to watch it alone <laughs> and hope everyone else sees it, and I hope they like it. But it it, it is such an amazing thing at my age now to be doing. Uh, a sitcom, you know, because I did. I have 
my own sitcom 40 years ago. You know, people say, do you know who I am? Do you know who I used to be? I mean, I was a star. I had, I mean, I had Lenny lunchboxes. I was all around the world. It was unbelievable. But, uh, you know, I've been humbled. And, uh, you know, and uh, I, I have just, listen, I like making people laugh. I really do. I get a kick out of it. And I like to laugh myself. So, you know, being around uh, the guys out at, you know, there's this one guy I've got friendly with, Brian Holstein. Have you seen him, Brian? Brian Holstein. Brian oh Holstein, my God, no. you got to see him. Yeah, this guy, he he's one in a lifetime. Believe me when I tell you, I saw him at the comedy store. He goes on last on a Saturday night. He he walks a lot of the people, but he is wow. He's one of my favorites. I mean, really, this guy's you got to see him. Oh, oh, Brian Holtzman. Holtzman, yeah. I forgot the steam, the men, Holtzman. Yeah, you know, I, I I married a Jew, so it's okay. I make a lot of mistakes like that. But, yeah, Holtzman uh, yeah, uh, actually Holtz- he performs regularly at the Mothership. Also, uh, you and uh, you and Rogan share a love for uh, Holtzman and his unique brand of comedy. Oh, oh, he, I don't, I don't, I don't get why he is not like the the, the giant, the giant star. Because oh my God, he it, it make you cry. He make you cry. And laugh so hard. You mentioned that you're married to a Jew. You've been married for 27 years now, Lenny. Congratulations. I'm on year 11, and things are going pretty well. What's the key to a long-lasting marriage? Hand puppets. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I I, I tell people I've been happily married 37 years, five different women, but I'm no quitter. Actually, I I guess I've had like one marriage that that, that cost me a fortune. That was the the red-headed Jewish... Playboy model cocaine dealer from Birmingham, Alabama. What could go wrong? And then, uh, <laughs> then another girl, I, I think, was one of those common law marriage. And now my current wife, which I also refer to as my last wife, uh, I've been with her for 27 years. And uh, the poor girl, I don't know, I tricked her. And uh, we live we live in an estate in Martha's Vineyard overlooking the ocean, you know. So that's not bad. Not bad at all. I may ask you a little bit more about Martha's Vineyard coming up on the other side. He is legendary stand-up comedian Lenny Clark, headlining at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership this weekend. Nice enough to spend the full hour with me, which concludes coming up next. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. Final segment with the legendary stand-up comedian Lenny Clark. He is headlining at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership this weekend. There are still a few tickets remaining for the late shows on Friday and Saturday and some for the 8 p.m. show on Sunday. You need to go to ComedyMothership.com to snag those. Don't wait. These tickets will sell out at some point over the next couple of days. It is a phenomenal spot to see stand-up and somebody with the ilk that Lenny has performing there. It is an opportunity you do not want to miss out on. You can also check Lenny out on television tonight. That's right. His new TV show for which he is receiving rave reviews is called Extended Family. It's on NBC's on Tuesday night. So when you get home, flip on the TV and give it a gander. Lenny, you just mentioned that your permanent home is in Martha's Vineyard. What do you love about Martha's Vineyard? Oh my God. It's where the Kennedys went to murder people, the Clintons went to have sex with people, and Obama's there now, and he just watches. <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
And uh, considering all the stuff that you put yourself through in life, Lenny, what's the closest that you've ever been to death? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Dennis Leary says I have more lives than a cat. Uh, the, the closest one, well, I had three big ones the last two years. I had the massive stroke, which was, oh, you don't want that, man. You don't want a stroke. Oh, God. Uh the stroke, I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I got to remember to do that in my act. Uh, th there was the stroke, and they had to do my carotid artery. And then uh, I drove myself to the hospital, which I don't recommend people do. But uh, it, it, I, I had no chance because I was on the vineyard. And if I called 911, I live a mile off a dirt road, off another dirt road with a 250-odd kill range. So, I mean... For those who don't know what a kill range is, come on down. No, uh, if I if they had missed a turn, they wouldn't have got to me in time. So and the cops know me down there, so I drove like a madman. I got to hospital, and then the uh, the two heart attacks, the, the mini heart attack, and then <laughs> the massive heart attack when I was uh, skiing for cystic fibrosis in American Airlines in Vail about eighteen months ago. So yeah, that was pretty wild. And other than that. I've had a, 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 a couple of close, uh, maybe drug-related deaths, but, uh, you know, and then, uh, then it was a, an alcohol poison. Yeah, there's a few of them. I mean, uh, I, I listen, I'm playing with health money. I am a miracle of modern science. I do more drugs now than I did when I was an addict. And none of them get me high, but they keep me alive. And the sad part, Trey, I forget to take them. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just one of the pillboxes. Oh, my gosh. Take, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just one. I got another one. And uh, I, got, I got to take all these <laughs> or I die, you know? Oh man! Considering that you're somebody who already had a, a very sunny, positive disposition, how, how did these close calls, did they affect your outlook at all? Yeah, I lose you. Oh, can you hear me, Lenny? Can you hear me, Lenny? Lenny, can you hear me? What? Yeah, I can hear you. Now. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I hope. That, yes, can you hear me? Yep, I can got you, you now. Hey, can, so considering can, the close calls you that you've now? had in I, these last few years, you're you're somebody who already had a very sunny, yep. positive outlook on things. Did it? Did it change? Uh, your mentality, or is there uh, any shift in perspective as a result of these close calls? No, you know why? Because uh, when I when I was in the hospital, I actually thought I was I thought I was gone. I, the last two big the, the the stroke and the and the big heart attack, I I made my peace with God in the bed. I go, wow. I go, hey man, if uh, if if my numbers up, okay. I've had a nice run, and thank you for everything. I said, I mean, I don't want to go, but uh, I mean, if if if, if you think there's a lot of funnier guys than me, if you need a comedian up there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, listen, I I I I I'm like Frank Sinatra. I live every day like my last one, because one of these days I'm gonna be right, you know. So I just I just try to enjoy life and uh, try to make people happy, and uh, you know, I I, uh, I have a very short list of people that I don't care for. And uh, most times I don't remember who they are anyway, so it's all right.
Well, that short list includes some people that you're going to have to deal with this weekend because you're, one of your pet peeves is annoying people on airplanes. Is there one particular behavior or habit that annoys you more than others on the airplanes? Because I'm with you here. There, airplanes are rife for uh, material, of course, but also rife for people who have zero courtesy around others. Oh, that is right there. That's it. Zero courtesy. I flew, you know, Trey, I was so blessed because I got to fly during the heyday of air, air travel. I used to go on. Matter of fact, there was a woman. I flew back and forth from Los Angeles to Boston every weekend for 18 months because I was making a ton of money in Boston and I was trying to break in at the store. No one was helping me out. And no one was getting me in. And then Mitzi finally made me a regular. She, I, but I'd work every week. I'd work every week, every week, every week. And she, she ended up being really great to me. I love Mitzi. Uh, but I, there was a woman in Boston. She's passed now. She said, Lenny, if you get a suit, I'll put you in first class. So I bought a suit the next week. And I wore a suit every week. I was a big fat guy too at the time. I mean, I was, I was like 350 at the time. And I would wear that suit and they'd bump me up to first class. And there'd be lobster tails and fine wines and champagnes and meals from Michelin stars, chefs. And now it's like getting on a bus. All right, get on a bus. Get in the bag. Grab, grab on to something. Let's go. And, and, and then the people that are rude to handicapped people, they have no respect for people in a wheelchair. They, you know, they, they, they're throwing their luggage around. I mean, it's, it's horrible. I mean, it's so funny, Trey. I was on a flight the other day, and this young kid came by. You're a big, big, strapping young kid. And I was struggling with my bag. He goes, let me get that for you, sir. And he put it up top. You know, the young kid. I mean, I, mean, I, I still move around pretty good from my age. And I said, that was very kind of you. If we crash into a mountain range, I'll eat you last. <laughs> <laughs> the kid walked away going, wow, that guy's out of his mind. <laughs> Do you remember what it was like when Mitzi passed you at the comedy store? Because I've heard other comedians talk about just how uh, pivotal a moment that was for them in their lives. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I, I was working. Uh, I was working for And she, she liked me. She she liked me as a person. She's, you know, I really like you. But, I, I, I you know, you're too much like Leno. You know, joke, joke, joke. And people laughing. I go, Geez, isn't that what was supposed to do, you know, I didn't say it, but I'm saying that's what I'm supposed to do. And I remember I, she started working me in Vegas, and and this is before she told me I was I was passed. And she, I remember she got a a red uh, napkin off a table and stuck it in my my suit coat, you know, and says, "Yeah, where that?" I go, ah. "But she, when she passed me, she says you're now a regular at the store." And I says, "What does that mean?" She says, "You get paid." I said, "Oh, that's great! Oh, that's so exciting!" And then. I said to somebody, I said, what do I get paid? They go, you get paid like 20 bucks. I go, 20 bucks? I would pay for my stamps. So I still had to fly coast to coast. Then I, I worked I worked the main room, and that'd be a couple hundred bucks maybe. And then I worked her, her, her place down in La Jolla. You know, and then I'd work. She'd bring me to Vegas a lot. And I owe Mitzi an awful lot because she was really, it, she, she made me better because she made me, she made me, you know, struggle i mean it was i just didn't walk in there off the street and said hey you know you look at you you're great i worked my ass off just to one to to to, to please her and two 
to be good, you know, because I mean, I was, there were great comedians when I was there. Great comedians. All right. Last question now, Lenny, what do you love about doing stand-up comedy all these years later? Oh, well, the fact that, that I, I, I scratched out of the career, <laughs> you know, like I said, it all started as a joke. And I mean, had I, had I had any other talent, I would have been like a, an iron worker or an electrician or a, or a plumber or a cop or a fireman, you know, like, like most of the people I grew up with. But I, I couldn't do anything else, you know. And everywhere I went, people said, geez, you're so funny. And I go, yeah, but it, the big thing was I wasn't trying to be funny. I'm nuts, you know. And, and by taking that and, and, and being able to eke out a career, I mean, I mean, I've been at the top. I've been at the bottom. You know, I listen, I'm just glad to still be working today. And uh, if I make people laugh, that, that, that makes me happy. I have no doubt you're going to make people laugh at the Comedy Mothership this weekend. Going to be performing Friday through Sunday. There are still a few tickets remaining for the late shows on Friday and Saturday and a few left for that 8 p.m. show on Sunday. Those will be gone in the next couple of days. So go now to ComedyMothership.com to snag those and check Lenny out tonight. Uh, Tuesdays, NBC, Extended Family is the name of the show. Uh, Lenny has been getting rave reviews for his performance, even as the second oldest guy in TV. Screw Tom Selleck. Lenny Clark's the man. <laughs> Lenny, man, real pleasure. Hey, thank Trey. you so much for the time today. Trey, I can't thank you. This has been a blast. I, are you, are you going to be able to swing by uh, this weekend? I, I do not have tickets, I but I, I, I may be buying tickets now. Hey, I'll buy you a ticket. I'll buy you a ticket. Come on, you're helping me. You're helping the club. You deserve to be there. You're Trey. Wake up. What are you, new? Come on. You can come with me. And I'll buy the tickets if I have. I don't give a I'd love to have you come to the show. Thank you for being such a good guy. Thank you, Lenny. You as well. Safe travels, okay? Thanks, brother. See you later, Trey. All right, another show is in the books. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. A programming reminder, tomorrow is Wednesday. That means I'm spending a couple of segments with Justin Wells of Inside Texas. In the meantime, have yourselves a great rest of the evening and hook them. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling.